Hello, everyone. Welcome to this edition of the podcast. Today, we have a special guest with us all the way from Chile. Carla Tone will share with us her experience traveling in Peru and her engagement in spiritual tourism. But first of all, I wanted to give you big thanks to Louis Coleman and Lucas Zietkiewicz for being the legends that created the amazing musical intro. Uh, just a little bit of information on these guys. Luis is the guitarist and vocalist of the band Cactus Channel. You can listen to their instrumental masterpieces on your Spotify, and you can look them up in YouTube as well. And Lucas, he's an artist and composer from Melbourne, and he's also an illustrator and watercolor painter. He's the author of the Composer comic. You can check his work on his Instagram, at Lucas Yetkevich. And just in case you missed that name, uh, no worries, we'll have all the information you have to have to check their work on our website. So before we start with Carla, I just wanted to give you a little bit of information on spiritual tourism. And so basically the UNWTO, that's the United Nations World Tourism Organization, defines culture, uh, sorry, spiritual tourism um, as all the travel outside of the usual environment for religious purposes, excluding traveling for professional purposes. But it includes going to countries where the ceremonies have a strong religious connotation. Another academic, Mintel, argues that international travel for purposes of visiting sites and routes and festivals of religious significance, as well as travel where the primary purpose of the visit is to participate in activities that have religious significance. It could be maybe conferences, conventions, retreats, or something like that. Um, it could be also spiritual tourism. So there you go. We're gonna bring Carla and start this interview with her. Very happy to have you, Carla. Thank you so much for for joining us in this podcast. Hey, thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Such an interesting topic. So, Carla, just before we introduce the topic, tell us a little bit about yourself. Who are you? <laughs> well, um, I used to work with Anna. I met Anna at Contours Travel. We worked together in tourism that focused only in Latin America um, because I was living in Australia as well. Uh, I am a lawyer. I'm an environmental lawyer, but now I'm working as a tour leader in Latin America as well. So since it's our home, we might as well know it and, you know, discuss yeah. it and show the world how amazing Latin America is. <laughs> so that's me at the moment. All right. Thank you for that introduction, Carla. So I invited Carla to join this podcast because we were talking about, uh, well, we're, as she said already, we're very good friends. We used to work together as well. So I invited her because she recently went to this amazing trip around South America and she experienced like different, like I would say spiritual journeys. How, like, would you say that as well? Yes. I mean, it started very randomly, but it ended up a two whole month trip around Peru that that was definitely a, a spiritual experience or 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 discovering how spiritual tourism actually works so okay yeah because i remember you told me you went to a vipassana so for those who you don't you don't know what a vipassana is it's basically like a 10 days retreat and and you're vowed to stay in silence right and meditate 
Can you tell us a little bit more about what is it? So the, the Vipassana is a, is a massive worldwide organization. So the Vipassana retreat is all over the world. So when you are an unexperienced person in, in meditation, you're more than welcome to participate. That's the thing. So it's all over the world. You subscribe to this amazing retreat all over the world, wherever you want. And it's a meditation course that it's, um, the first one it's only 10 days, but then you can do a 20 days or a 30 days or even 16 oh, wow. days. It's like massive. And the beautiful thing first about the organization is that everything's 100% free. So you get accommodation for free, a teacher that is teaching you every day from 4 a.m. till 9 p.m. classes uh, about meditation, you know, and then you also get free food, free, you know. So all of these is based in donations, and that's the beautiful part for me. So mm -hmm. if I donate in my course, that will that will mean that your course will be already paid for. Oh, you know? okay. So, mm -hmm. so, so it, it, it works like that. So people actually based pay for like not pay for it, but actually donate to the cause and just like, you know, it continues to, to be sustainable in that way. Yes, exactly. So it depends on how much, obviously, you donate. But the beautiful thing is that they don't pressure you on how much you're supposed to donate, you know? All it's right. Like you make the donation based in how your experience was. So, and I assure you that after those 10 days, you feel marvelous and, you know, and, and it's totally <laughs> worth it. Whatever whatever you want to feel like giving away, um, it's fine. It's okay. Like, so so you, pay, like, you, you donate afterwards, right? Yeah, yeah. After after the ten day course, oh, okay. so and 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 about the structure of the course, it lasts ten days. You're in silence. This it's called noble silence. You're in noble silence for ten days, but that's actually not the hard part, Anna. Is like, it? <laughs> I don't know if I would make it. It's how was that? <laughs> uh, it's actually everyone's like, oh my god, you're in silence for ten days, and actually that's not. The, the worst part you know like that's that's not hard at all because you're immersing yourself so it's actually a noble for me the hard part what sorry it's it's actually like a noble experience that you you go through being silent yeah, exactly like you give away all this silence but you gain so much out of it like it's um you start your day at 4 30 a.m in the morning well, well, you go meditate and then um, you have a teacher there, you know, you can speak to the teacher as well if you're having, like, if you don't know if you're making the right thing with this technique, if you're not learning it, you know, um, as fast or if you're getting frustrated, you can talk to the teacher as well. So it's not actually that you're 10 days in silence. Oh, okay. So, the, so you can the talk to the teacher. Me, hmm? You can Sorry? talk to the, to, the, to the teacher. It's just... Uh, staying more introvert yeah. and yes, oh, like okay. you can approach the teacher every time you feel like you're not actually learning the technique, for instance, or if you have a problem, or you know, like there's stuff worrying about you all the time, taking care of you. The teacher's taking care of you as well, you know. Yeah. Um, is that that obviously ten days in silence means that sometimes you get frustrated, you know, like your mind because of you course. understand actually that your mind wanders so fast you go to the past you go to the present you go you know like you start dreaming in meditation until that then you are aware 
that you are not actually meditating, you know? So yeah. coming back, coming back, taking back your mind again and center, that's the hard part, you know? Like wow. We're not used to it. We're too fast. Our mind is too fast. We're constantly worrying about what do we have to do next? Um, what are we doing today? I have to take the dog. I have to do eat. I have to, you know? So all of those things stop when you're in 10 days in science, in meditating. So, for example, what was the thing that you found to be the best thing about the Vipassana? I think for me, I had a beautiful experience. Like, I, I want to make sure that everyone understands that obviously everyone has a different experience. Yeah. It could be good, it could be bad, it could be, you know, like positive, negative, all at the same time. It's very overwhelming. But for me, the most wonderful thing was to realize that I can be in control of my own mind, you know, that I can mm. center myself, that I can have self-awareness and realization moments where, ah, this is what it is. This is how am I supposed to do oh, things, massive. you know? And for me, the result of the Vipassana gave me a lot of tolerance. Mm -hmm. Like things do not upset you as much anymore because you're more in control of your own emotions, of your own thoughts, of your own, you know, you're more aware, I think. All that's, right. that's for me the, the, the beautiful message that Vipassana gave me. Mm -hmm. It's just wonderful. Did, did you find any like like negative parts to the Vipassana or, or not so much? No, I think like in terms of like, again, like I, I can only talk about my experience during the process, but in terms of structure, because yeah. you have beautiful days and then you have negative days you know like you're constantly during these 10 days working on yourself so it's very you know conscious moments yeah but that was amazing but the i think that in terms of structure sometimes people do not or this was my experience do not take this 100 seriously mm -hmm. so when that happens there's people competing all over the world for that spot you know oh, what i mean right. like yeah. because ah. Uh, because I didn't do the Vipassana in my country, so I did it in Peru. Mm -hmm. So I applied for that spot, you know, and I'm fighting with everyone else in the world that wants that spot. Mm -hmm. So it's very hard to get into a Vipassana, yeah. for girls especially. Um, why is that? So why why girls? When, I think that uh, men, I don't know what's going on with, with men, but they have more spots. It's not that they have more spots. It's like maybe they're not more, you know, interested in taking these kinds of courses, so it's easier for them. Oh, you know? right. So um, they're the minority. In terms of say slots. This. Oh, okay. Like, we are competing. Girls are competing. They, we really want to, as yeah. I can see all over the world in the Vipassana, we really want to do this course and we really want to, you know? So it's very hard. There's only few spots and everyone wants the spots. All right. No, interesting. So, so that exactly that's what's happened. So since it's so hard to get in for us girls, when I see girls that are not respecting noble silence or they're not taking me 100% serious, which was my experience sometimes, I feel like someone else could have gotten that spot that yeah, was super serious about it or, you know? Yeah. But that was my experience. There's millions of vipassanas all over the world that function very, you know, with discipline. And so uh, for me, I would say that was the only little thing that I was... Okay, maybe mm. someone else could have got that spot if you're not into it, you know? How would you dis describe... Right. Yeah, so for example, now that, we're, that you're talking about the other people who were with you in the Vipassana, what, how would you describe the kind of people that 
really wants to do this kind of course? Like, do they come from different like nationalities? Is it like a trend? Are they like engaged in different religious or spiritual affiliations or? Yeah. So, um, first, well, again, this vipassana was in Peru, was in the Sacred Valley. Mm -hmm. Um, so in each country, you have twenty slots for girls that have already done the vipassana so older students mm -hmm. and for new students so 20 other for new students so you have 40 girls and 40 boys between old students and new students for those slots i think 10 or 15 are only for peruvians for locals in each country mm -hmm. so you have a preference if you are peruvian in this case and then for what i could see there were all different nationalities like Um, there was a lot of Austrian girls, Brazilian girls, um, German girls, French girls, like all over the world. And for what I could sense afterwards, because at the beginning, obviously, you don't talk to them, you know, mm -hmm. you're 10 days just not even almost looking at them because you don't, you cannot interact. But then after those 10 days, you can talk to them. So I realized that they were all over the world, all girls that were mostly European that wanted to travel to South America to find this spiritual journey. You know? So so do you think people go to the Vipassana to experience this kind of spiritual yeah, journey or evolution or development? Yes, for sure. Like like the Vipassana is a, is a is a massive deal, you know? It's it's like you you go somewhere and you devote yourself to yourself into meditation for 10 days. So these girls were definitely trying to reinforce their meditation or, you know, learn this new technique of meditation to see if it's good for them or not, you know, like, but it's also very meaningful when you do it in such a powerful, energetic center of the world, which is the sacred valley of the Incas. Oh, of you know? course. Because... It's a very, that valley, that's why the Incas as well call it sacred valley, you know, it's, yeah. it's a sacred, it's, you can feel the energy of the place, you're surrounded by what um, Incas and Peruvians called apus, which are sacred apus, which, which are the, the big mountains with the snow capes and, you know, so you're surrounded by mountains and you're in this beautiful valley, which is a massive energetic point as well. Yeah, so doing course. the Vipassana in this place, It's very meaningful, you know? Mm. It's so, more powerful. Do, do you think that people, like, go through the Vipassana because they want to change something in their lives? Like, it's, it's obviously something that is life-changing. Did it change your life in a way? I think, I think it's... For sure. Like, I think it's definitely a life-changing experience. Mm -hmm. I think people go to the Vipassana as a first-timer to understand how the powerful weapon that it's meditation, you know, how it will change your life, how you will start, as I was saying before, how you feel uh, that you're very tolerant now and that you discuss things in a different way and that you don't react as much as you would before. So meditation has always been a transcendental, transcendental experience. Mm -hmm. Is that a word? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So you... You, when you start meditating, it's very confrontational because what you're seeing is yourself in a mirror, basically. Mm -hmm. You're with you, within you, and you're realizing so, things about yourself. 
and once you start working because this is constant work by the way like it's not like you do the vipassana and you feel powerful you do and it lasts and this this protection this energy that you get and this empowerment that you get it lasts for a while but obviously if you don't keep practicing it will fade away of course so it also helps you to understand that this is a long process and that this is a journey that you entered and it's beautiful and that you're going to start having more self-realization moments and things will start developing in a beautiful way if you are constant in your work and you have discipline in your meditation you know like yeah it's it's a journey you know it's something that will change completely your life so for example okay completely and then because we talked about this before so I'm just going to jump ahead to, to another question. But yes. then you said that right after the Vipassana, you went to another kind of a, a spiritual manifestation of, a, of, of, well, Andean culture. You said you experienced the festivities of um, El Señor de Coyuninti. Uh, so this is very, mm-hmm. obviously the word, it's from Inca. Uh, but can you just explain a little bit for people who don't know who, what, what is this? Yes, of course. So to put you guys in context, like, as I was saying before, the sacred valley of the Incas is a massive energetic center in the world. So lots of people, foreigners, I mean, travel to the sacred valley and stay and, and sometimes live even in, in, in those little valleys along all, all the sacred valleys. So Ollantaytambo, Urubamba, um, Calca, Pisac, you know. And, and they practice different kinds of um, medicines that help you in your spiritual development. Mm-hmm. So the beautiful thing for me and the interesting thing for me at the Sacred Valley is that um, there's a beautiful mix between the Andean peoples. Um, they're called different nations. They're all different nations from the Andean Andes mountains. Um, so they have their own local traditions. So they live in the mountains and they have their own local traditions and their own gods, basically, because they they love the, the Apus, the sacred um, mountains that I was talking about. And this beautiful mix between the Catholics, you know, like the Catholic religion that it was left with the conquerors and the colonialism and it's insane how to see how these two religions, how these two beautiful um, Andean experience mixes with the Catholic religion. So this festivity, Señor de Coyuriti, is basically that. Like you see how these Andean people with their own tradition mixes with the Catholics. So Señor de Coyuriti is a, is a Apu as well. So it's a sacred mountain. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, they, what they do is, it's like during a week, nations from mm-hmm. Peru, all over Peru, Andean nations, so yeah. indigenous background nations, from Peru, even from northern Chile, from Bolivia as well, they travel to Señor de Coyuruti Temple. So basically, Señor de Coyuruti, the story is that there was this little boy called Mariano, I think, that was living in the mountains, and he saw... And another little boy and they started playing so when he came down after all day playing with this little boy he told them the priest of that area and said I just met this little boy and we played all day and blah 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 and basically it was the manifestation of Jesus 
in the form of this other little boy. So when they went and to find again this little boy, this Jesus was um, uh, inserted in like a rock. So the image of Jesus was um, in the, in this rock that stayed, and that's where they built the temple. Okay. So that's basically like the, the Catholic background of it. So for, and, for um, just just I'm just gonna say something for those who are not familiarized with this kind of things. This happens a lot in Latin America in different cultures. Uh, it's something that it's it's common. It's common the syncretism between Catholics and um, traditional or native festivities. Like that's something that happens common. Like just finding I don't know the Virgin Mary or Jesus Christ in different manifestations, and then the culture kind of builds up on that. So just just I just wanted to say that because it, it yeah it must be very very interesting. So for example, so you said. They they gathered in the mountains in the apples, and then they have so, like, uh huh. Yeah, it's a, it's a pilgrimage actually. So okay. What they do is like I think it's four or five days that all these nations that are completely different, you know, like obviously they share the indigenous Andes background, but they all have different tradition, different co the I don't want to say costumes because they're, they're not traditional uh, outfits, you know, um, and they so they travel all this way from their own towns, their own towns, with the musicians and with these traditional outfits. And they walk to Señor de Coyuribi, which is, I think it's 4,600 meters above sea level. So they walk all this way and they dance all day and all night. So it's wow. basically, I think, like 40,000, 50,000 people that are in this pilgrimage these days. So everyone goes up and down all day during these five days up and down the mountain wow. up and down up and down because a lot of people just go for the day or even for the night or you know yeah so when i went um i climbed all, all the way to the mountain to the temple and it's chaos it's like all these people just going up and and they basically go up to to worship senor de coyuruti to see jesus in the stone and to ask for things, you know? So all the way up, you can see little um, places where they sell uh, figures of a little house or a family or, you know, even degrees. There was this guy that had a printer <laughs> and he printed degrees. Like, if you want to be a lawyer, he will put like, oh yes, Anna, it's going to be a lawyer, you know, <laughs> in this university or, you know? So your parents go up and pray all day or all night, you know? And, and so that's all the way up, like it's chaotic. You go up and you see massive amounts of people. And then once you're up, you can see how everyone's dancing. You can feel the energy, um, yeah. the devotion. You can vibrate with the faith of these people, you know? Like they wow. prepare all year, all of these indigenous nations, they prepare and they dance all day and all night during five days just to, you know, um, getting in um, touch with this worship deity. yeah like to worship jesus yeah. you know so it's it's amazing the colors the people you can vibrate and you can feel the devotion you can feel the faith oh, you know? with that just forget about the doofs and raves right you just have I know, to and, and, and it's actually an event that obviously it's um drug free and of course. Uh, they, they cannot drink alcohol and it's so strict as in 
because there's there's another nation called Pabluchos that they are like in charge of the thing, like to oh, to have okay. an order and you know because you have to control fifty thousand people, you know. And then uh, so these guys have the control and and I think that someone told me that if if you're caught having a drink or whatever, they will put you in jail, you know what they call jail, which is like a house with a lock. And they will put you inside during the whole festivity so you cannot go out. Like, you're basically in jail for five days. <laughs> Misbehaved. Yeah, I know. Misbehaved worshipper. <laughs> so, yeah, and that's also a beautiful thing, you know, because as I was saying before, you actually vibrate. You can feel the energy of these people, this devotion, dancing all day and all night. Um, and you don't need the drugs, you know what I mean? Yeah, like you're of dancing, dancing, jumping, jumping at 4,600 meters above sea level. Yeah. In the middle of the mountains, and and you can feel it. You can feel this intoxicating, beautiful love and energy that, that people are, you know, God, sending yeah. to the, the sacred valley, you know? Were there many, like, foreigners in, the, in this kind of festivities, or not really? I, I, I didn't saw a lot. To tell you the truth but i heard when i came back to chile i heard that there was actually groups of people that go and pray to senor de coyuruti as well okay. so the pilgrimage starts from everywhere you know mm-hmm. um so so i know that there's groups that, that there were a couple of foreigners that i saw not much but but there were a bit how did you felt being like a kind of like tradition like I mean, because you're Latin American, yes, but you're not Andean or a native in that to that area. Do you feel a little bit different of being kind of foreigner in a way, like kind of, you know, the other sort of? Mm, you know, no, I I don't think so because you you do actually really get immersed in this spiritual journey. You know, like you actually, I I was. I'm not Catholic, but I believe in, in spirituality. You know, mm-hmm. I, I try to develop myself in spirituality in every way possible that I can. So for me, this experience, I asked for things to Señor de Coyote, you know? You know, mm-hmm. I got immersed in, over there. And then you feel I had a beautiful experience because at night, obviously, at this high altitude, it gets really, really cold. So I got a beautiful experience where I... Because you see tents everywhere and fires everywhere you know and music doom doom all day all night and and at night I had a beautiful experience where I just arrived and sat near a fire yeah and everyone was so welcoming you know like I from the moment I just sat down girls started arriving and offering me tea to stay warm you know like please stay here please share with us and And I actually had this beautiful experience where they were telling me Andean stories of that place as well, spiritual journeys of um, the people that I was with, but also their ancestors, uh-huh. their grandmothers, their great grandmothers, how they felt about this place and what, how they felt about the spirits of the place. So they didn't so felt re- that you didn't feel like you were like kind of an outsider. They were very like involving you in in their traditions as well. Yeah, and sharing so much information as well, you know, it was not only that they made me feel very welcome, but they were also sharing very beautiful stories, you know, as well. But do you you think there were some, some things that they were kind of like, not hidden to you, but like, because it's something so traditional and so, so sacred in a way, 
Do you think there's also a part of the of the Senor de Coyuriti festivities that weren't shown to you because you weren't part of it? Or or do you think it, it was pretty much in the open and pretty much on like this is how it is and I don't know. No, it, it's very it, it's very opening and it's very welcoming, you know? Because yeah. you do not only get the amazing and beautiful experience that I'm very grateful for for seeing these beautiful dances and these beautiful traditions and everything that it's behind that. For instance, all of the, there were obviously different nations with different um, outfits and with different traditions. There were little boys that had like a corpse of a llama mm -hmm. uh, and they danced with their own llamas. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's really weird. So, and, and for instance, the, um, the fabrics that they use have a story. You know, mm -hmm. like that, that's very Latin American as well. Like yeah. women weave and weave stories through their their fabrics, you know. So all of that is very welcoming. All of that is very like you feel part of it because you're you're understanding the Andean cosmovision while you see their their outfits, while you see their dancing, while you feel their music, while you vibrate with all of this. But as well, they I had. I, I can only speak from my experience, but I had the beautiful experience of um, they're, them telling me their own stories, you know? Yeah. Like, the stories began, like, my grandmother was here once, and she came with her mother, and, you know, like, this comes from eight years and years back. And, yeah. and when you feel and when you hear stories about their great-grandmothers coming to this place and seeing spirits and you know it's like yeah I, I i was very welcomed and i was very happy that i had that experience but it's for everyone everyone can come foreigner or you know local everyone's okay. invited to feel the devotion and to share the love for it's very strict though you know yeah, yeah. If, if i i had the chance and the opportunity and i was very lucky because you're basically competing with fifty thousand people to get in the temple So I got in and I could see locals going like, uh, you need to take your hat off and you need to kneel and you need to do this and you need to do that. You know, like not to me, but I, I could see other people feeling that that's very strict. And were they like the foreigners, for example, were they also kind of um, respecting those kind of, those laws and those, you know, traditions or do, did you saw anybody just not being very respected? Mm. No, I, I could, everyone, like, the, I, I actually was standing next to a couple that were foreigners, I don't know where from, but they were obviously tourists, and they were very respectful. I don't think they were understanding much of what was happening, because it's very overwhelming, <laughs> but between them, you know, between the locals, we're like, I could see this lady going to some guy and telling him, like, you need to take your hat off, like, we're inside the temple, yeah. like, if you cannot take your hat off, then, then just go, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, everyone's very respectful and very, you know, it's very strict. Yeah. Well, that's that's the way for the communities to kind of um, encourage their own traditions and just taking care of the cultural heritage, I guess, no? Because I've, I've gone into different places where there's a lot of, of things going, you know, behind the scenes that normally tourists are not aware of and they can be part of. That's why I was asking But yeah, yeah, it must be yeah, it must be very interesting to experience that. So yeah, do you, would you encourage like 
people who are traveling through Latin America to go to this kind of festivities, especially the Señor de Coyuriti, like something that sacred and that important, would you like, yeah, recommend it? I would definitely recommend it, but with the warning of, please understand that this is not a tourist event. Like exactly. this, this is not a thing for you to come and just take pictures or no, you know, like this is a place where people, it's very spiritual and you actually can feel the energy of the people. So you have to be first very respectful of the place, of yeah. the sacred apples, of the locals that are participating in this event and understand that they're coming here to pray. Like, I remember that there was um, the day that we were leaving, um, that people were coming down the mountain and I could feel the sorrow and the sadness of one of these nations singing, you know, because they're all happy all the time during this five day going, we love you, Señor de Coyuruti, and, and you know, it's very intense, the dancing and the chanting. But when they leave, it's very sad. They're very sad. And, and, and through their songs, you can feel this sorrow. And they're saying, please wait for us. We'll come back next year, you know, and, yeah. and chanting those things. So I think tourists need to understand that, you know, if you go involve yourself, immerse yourself with the locals because they're very welcoming and they will offer you their food. They will offer you do, you their tea. They will offer you a spot in their fire. You know, they will. They they, they even asked me for a dance once. You know, mm -hmm. like it's it's it's. So if you go as a tourist to feel this energy and to be respectful of it and the place that you're in, I I encourage everyone to see this to vibrate with them. But if if you just want to take pictures or if you just want you know like. You have to understand that this is very serious as a tourist. I mean, do you, this is a very massive big deal. Do you think? Because because I've I've been like reading here and there different um, news and stuff, and I feel like tourism has become it. It's going towards this, like partaking in traditional and rituals and festivities and traditional things, and they're just like mis like disrespecting traditional. Festivities, especially I don't know, especially with the use of ritual drugs, for example. But yeah, like you said, if if you say if you say it's not a tourist event, it's not something that is gonna welcome tourists. It's gonna welcome human beings and like you know respecting different cultures. Yeah, I, I can completely understand that. Yeah, so it's okay, the sacred, the sacred valley has this duality, you know. Like for me, that's what I saw. I saw what you were saying. I saw this duality and I felt the duality as well. So it's, I felt disappointed at some point. Not with the Señor de Coyuruti, not with my experience personally in the valley, but when you realize that there's, there's a massive amount of uh, foreigners, Europeans, Americans, you know, that come to the Sacred Valley and they just um, settle and they start owning because it's ownership, you know, like they start owning these spiritual medicine traditions that you were talking about. It's when I get confused and I get, okay, this is distortion of the reality of the medicine. This is distortion of the reality of the spirituality of the place as well. You know, like for instance, ayahuasca, um, which is a medicine plant. It's not, it actually doesn't grow in the valley. It grows in, the Amazon, like in the middle of Peru, um, 
in Tarapoto, in Pucallpa, up to Iquitos, you know? Um, and that's where the shamans used to use as medicine, only the shamans just to understand the, the spiritual journey, the vision, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and then when you arrive to the Sacred Valley and you see that there's a foreigner um, playing the role as a shaman and using ayahuasca at the same time with San Pedro or, you know, another recreation or DMT or, you know, stuff like that in the same ceremony, you're like, ah, okay, dude, this is, this is not a spiritual healing, exactly. you know, like th- this is not the use of the plant to be used in these ways. So... That that duality was really confronting for me to see as well. So you saw you saw that in the Sacred Valley, the that kind of things going on. Yes, like there's there's different valleys. Like I stayed a lot in Calca, which was the first valley that I arrived to because the, it was the valley of the Vipassana as well. Yeah. And I could I could feel the energy of the place. I could feel that that was a safe place for me. Um, but once I arrived to Pisac, obviously this is a personal experience. You know, someone yeah, yeah, could yeah. tell you. But when I arrived to Pisac and I understood that all the foreigners were living there and were using medicines in the way that could harm yourself, basically, you know, like, yeah. because I believe in the power of San Pedro or the Wachuma or the power medicine of the Ayahuasca or the, you know, like I could, I can understand that and it's healing and it's, an, you know, but when you use it at the same time with three different other drugs, yeah. I, I, I could not understand that a, a foreigner is um, dressed up as an Andean shaman and, you know, start giving this medicine without the proper knowledge, without the proper um, restrictions or, you know, to, 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 to give to someone else this, this supposed to be medicine, you know, it's, 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 there's a lot of that as well. So you can see all the time, you walk through Pisac and you can see flyers of foreigners um, that want to give you ayahuasca or they charge you $700 for a San Pedro ceremony or, you know, like all of those things. I think that the medicine has got distorted a bit, the spiritual medicine of the, of the Wachuma, of the yeah. ayahuasca, of everything. It's, it's very... Cambo as well. It's it's very interesting you say this because I mean obviously I think we have we're gonna have to cut the topic right now but just just a little bit like overview of what you're saying because you went to like the vipassana first and which was kind of a spiritual journey towards you know understanding yourself and healing like certain you know controlling your thoughts and your emotions and so in that way it was very spiritual in a way and then the señor de Cuyuriti was a very was the other side, you know, like the social collective side of healing, because obviously it's a way a culture kind of preserves itself. And then now that we're talking, we're going through like all this healing and using uh, traditional medicine as, you know, especially for people who are not traditional or native to that area. And they're just like exploring it and just taking advantage of healing themselves. I don't know. It's It sounds like yeah, you know, like, I mean, the Vipassana as well, like, I know, I know the name comes from, what, India, it's also kind of like a way to heal yourself, and even though it doesn't encourage, it doesn't, yeah, encourages the use of medicines, like, that are gonna dis- disrupt your, your balance and your, you know, your visions and stuff, it's still kind of using a 
cultural aspect or trait of a culture and yeah using it to healing so it, uh, yeah it's i find it very interesting what you're saying and especially like cultural appropriation no ah we have it it's like <laughs> i wanted to get to that point because that's a very interesting topic that we'll have to talk about in another podcast <laughs> definitely but um yeah we're gonna have to cut it short unfortunately um but we will be back with Carla and we, we're gonna discuss a bit more of these topics because we are definitely getting to somewhere here and yeah we do so just I want to thank you so much for sharing sharing with us your experience with the Vipassana and then obviously the Señor de Coyuriti which not a lot of people know about not a lot of people know about the Vipassana as well but it's more internationally known and we will be back with you hopefully to discuss these other topics that are coming up popping up uh but thank you so much gala for for yeah just sharing your experience you know we're all about sharing because we believe that sharing is caring and we do want to encourage people to just you know share we need to share so thank you so much for giving us all this amazing insight and and your experience in well, I'm like, the world. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy that we talked, that we could be talking about this for ages. Like, I know. <laughs> but I'm, hopefully I, this, I, yeah, I, that this is a good start. Of course, of course. And I, I will definitely come back with Carla. And yeah, thank you so much. We will continue talking about spiritual tourism and its implications in the use of drug rituals on our next podcast. Don't miss out. And remember, Impetu Hub is a collaborative platform to share, connect and reflect on tourism experiences. So if you would like to collaborate, just send us a message through our mainstream channels. We would love to hear from you. Thank you so much for hearing us out. See you next time.